months ago, I think. 301. The King of Love, My Shepherd, is this is a, a lyricized psalm. It's not exactly Psalm 23, but it's based very closely on Psalm 23. No, I'm sorry, that's not the one I was thinking of either. Hmm. I'm thinking of, it's, it's, a, it's a shepherd song. What is it? Savior. Um, 294. <laughs> 294. Savior like a shepherd leads. Thousand times. 
having Benjamin sit on my lap, I was thinking about fish sticks. His head smells like fish sticks. <laughs> fish sticks from Costco. I don't know why I thought about that, but that's what I smelled. <laughs> All right, come to Revelation 22. Revelation chapter 22. Wednesday night, I have been going through a topic, and the topic was change. Now, here's a strange way of looking at change in Revelation 22. There's always hope for change when people obey what the Bible says. And until then, it might be difficult to change, but there's always hope to change when people obey the Bible. Now, in Revelation 22, here is an interesting verse about change. 22, verse number 11. 22, verse number 11. He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. There's no change there. And he which is filthy, let him be filthy still. There's no change there. And he that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy. That's a very strange verse, verse number 11. It sure seems like some people will not change. And in practical life experience, you and I know people who have been given all kinds of opportunities, but they have not changed for many reasons. One, they don't want to change. Two, uh, other things are more appealing than changing. Uh, they have a difficult time with self-control, so they don't change. Whatever the reasons are, it is true that some people will never change. Uh, some situations will never change. It'll always be hot in the summertime, that will never change. Always be cold in wintertime, that will never change. Water is always going to run to its lowest level, that will never change. Okay. You go into Costco freezer department, you will get cold. That will always be true. That will never change. A lot of things will not change. And so that verse is about not changing. Now, uh, in the context of verse number 12, look at verse number 12. And behold, I come quickly. My reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. Now, at the coming of Christ, at that moment Christ comes, whatever is, as people say, whatever, what, it is what it is. Well, I don't know about how that verse is grammatically correct, but uh, it sounds too overused. But at the coming of Christ, verse number 12, whatever a man is, that's how he will be when the Lord comes back. So at the rapture, if a man is wicked, at the rapture, he is still wicked. At the second coming of Christ, when the Lord comes back to the earth, However man is, that's how he is. If he hates God, he will hate God and the Lord comes back. So that is the sense about verse number 11. He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. And I, I say to balance it out that in eternity, you are what you are when the Lord sends you into eternity. A man who goes into, into eternity unsaved, he is what he is. He cannot change his situation in eternity. A man goes to heaven, he's not complaining about anything, I don't think. He will be there forever to be with the Lord. And so there's no second chance after a person dies about changing his status before God. He dies unsaved, he can never change that status anymore. Which is to say, if someone, someone passes from this physical life into a spiritual condition, eternity, whoever is alive can never pray him out of that condition. The word that I want to bring to your attention 
purgatory. In the Roman Catholic system of teaching or non-teaching or unscriptural teaching, you have a chance to be relieved from the fires of purgatory because people on earth who love you are going to pay some, some, something to the priest for him to pray for you, for this soul who's going to purgatory to be relieved of his suffering. But that can never change. First of all, this concept of purgatory is not biblical. That is not true. Once a man leaves this world, he can never change his status in the afterlife. If he has gone to the place the Bible calls hell, he can never be relieved of that situation, that condition, that status, once he has left this physical world. That will never change. And so there is no reincarnation. Reincarnation. What is reincarnation? That is the, the idea that when you leave this physical life, you are going to change into another thing in another life. What you are today, likely you were something else in a previous lifetime. Now think about that. You who are sitting here and you who are watching by the video, you were once living before somewhere as something else. Now, depends on your karma, you are now a human. But in the next life, you might be a frog because you are cruel to frogs. And you will now experience what it's like to be cruel to frogs. Or you might be a mosquito or a fly or a roach. You people set roach traps for roaches. Now you will know what it's like to be a roach. And so uh, there's no such a thing. People believe that, but there's no such a thing. There's no transmigration of a soul where it travels on into eternity at one point landing into another. That is all not biblical. It is not what the Bible teaches. All of that is superstitious. All of that is really satanic. And so the soul is delivered as is once and for all in eternity. So it could be good, it could be bad. Depends what you do with Jesus Christ in this lifetime. And so he did his unjust. This is about not changing. But we want to be optimistic. We want to say that there are some things that can change. We talked about that the last two Sundays. But let me continue the thought about things that would not change. Just to be uh, biblical about things not changing. First of all, here is something else that would not change. The world's hatred for Christ in all things Christian, it will not change. The world's hatred for Jesus Christ and all things Christian will not change. Wait a minute, that sounds very pessimistic. Well, I hate to bring you bad news, but sometimes bad news is necessary to tell you about because it is something that is true. Uh, the world will never change its hatred for Jesus Christ and for all things Christian. If you are a Christian, ultimately, someone does not like you, not because you're a bad person, but because you identify with Jesus Christ. Now, if you have not experienced that, you know, be thankful that you have not experienced what others experience in Muslim-dominated countries or communist countries. They experience persecution regularly. It is a way of life for them because people hate Christ and they hate all those who identify as Christians. Turn to John chapter 15. John chapter 15. And come to verse number 18. Did you know that Jesus Christ used the word love often? 
And he also used the word hate often. And did you know that the Lord spoke things to his disciples in the upper room to prepare them for when he would leave them? So he strengthened them by telling them the truth about what it is like to live in this road as you identified me. This is how they will treat you, how they treated me will be the same way to you. John 15, verse number 18. Verse 17. These things I command you. Now, is your Bible a red letter Bible? If so, you may have John 15, verse 1 through 27 in red letters. That is to say, this is the words of Jesus Christ. Well, the words of Jesus Christ, his personal words. But you can actually say that the whole Bible is the words of Jesus Christ. It's in black. And this is also in black, but it's also in red to let you know the reader that this is what the Lord said to his disciples. This is like quoting him. So it's all the Bible. It's all the word of God. But we just want to emphasize that these words, letters, uh, words in red are what Jesus said to the disciples. And then in verse number 17, these things I command you that you love one another. Isn't that a good command? Isn't that a good statement to his disciples? He practiced that when he was with them. He showed them love while he was with them. He showed how much he loved a friend who died. And he wept. The shortest verse in the Bible in John 11, Jesus wept. Uh, he showed how much he loved a friend. And so Jesus talked about loving one another and uh, expressing it by word and by deed. Not just by saying I love you, but by saying I love you by what you do for and toward that person. All right? It's an important thing about the Christian life to show it besides telling it. It's really encouraging when Christians in a church show, let me back up. It's really important when a Christian in a church tells and shows it, or tells and does it, or says and does it. That's a good blessing, that's a good thing. And so people need that. Uh, I have to say that my daughter's church in Texas, it's a different kind of a church, but it's a good church in a lot of ways. But one of the good things about their church is that they show love for one another. They care for one another. They help each other out. I mean, in specific things. And whenever anyone has a hard time, Emily and Pete, they always call that person, ask, is there anything I can do for you? And if they can, they will. And when Pete and Emily have a difficult time, then uh, people call about it because they share prayer requests. And so they are aware of what's going on with their friends in church. And you should be friends in church. You shouldn't be enemy. You shouldn't be hostile in church. And you should be open in a way to let people know what is going on. If it's not something, you know, uh, not too personal, but, uh, oh, I lost my job. Well, that's good for us to know so we can pray for you. Oh, uh, my car, uh, oh, it needs repairs. Well, why keep that to yourself? Why not make a prayer request out of it so people can pray for you and then perhaps God will use someone in church or someone that they know, you know, and they can help you with that. See, uh, a neighbor came by. Well, not neighbor day came by. This morning, we were outside on the street about quarter to eight, uh, and the neighbor came out. She opened her, her, her gate so she can get her car out. I, was just, I just went up to say hi, and she said, Oh, uh, do you know any mechanic? And uh, she was driving a second car out of the driveway, had it running. I need tires. I said, Oh, I just got tires from Sam's. I found it was cheaper than getting at Costco. Sorry. <laughs> and, uh, Oh, yeah? Oh. And she said, I need some work. I said, where are you going to take it? I just threw out Goodyear and Conway. Oh, I don't know about them. They're bad, right? I said, well, I don't know about that. 
They may be good, depends. I said, I have a mechanic that I go to, it's two blocks from church, and he's been good to me. He changed my brakes. Oh yeah, I need my brakes changed in this car. I said, well, let me, uh, I'll refer you to him and I'll call him for you if you like. Oh, please help about that. And then she had to go, I said, well, let me know. And so uh, that's what Christians are doing for one another. Uh, well, that's what we should be doing for others anyway. And so uh, he says in verse number 17, these things I command you that you love one another. Verse 18, if the world, there's that word, if the world hate you, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. So the Lord says here about hate. Uh, the disciples, if you think about this, were the disciples hated before they became disciples? Did any disciple, well, you wouldn't have known about them, but were the, these fishermen hated by other fishermen? Maybe if they cheated, maybe if they got into another fisherman's fishing hole, maybe if somebody was a swindler or cheated someone, gave them less change than what they deserved, what they were owed. Maybe if somebody did something unethical, maybe then they were hated, but I don't read where the disciples were hated before they became disciples of Jesus Christ. So Jesus is really saying, that you will be hated, you will be hated if you follow me. And in verse number 18, if the world hate you, you know that it hated me. Because it's personal. They hated me before it hated you. So if you follow me, disciples, here's what you get. You follow me, you get the cheers of common people. When I heal them, they will cheer me. They will, they will clap for me. They will welcome me into their towns. When I feed them bread and fish, they will like that. And they will say, oh, I'm so glad you came to our town. And then you'll be serving the, the bread and the fish. And they will like you too. And they will thank you because you're passing on the nerf that I have done. And they will like you because they like me because they got fed. And so that will come with you. Follow me. But if they despise me, listen to this, disciples. They will despise you too. So it comes along with that. So he says, hatred for the disciples is due to their association, their connection to Jesus Christ. And so when Jesus chastised the Pharisees and the scribes, they scorned him, they hated him. When Jesus did miraculous things and the people thanked him and, and, and uh, hugged him and uh, followed him and they adored him, the Pharisees could never do these things. They were powerless to do this thing. They resented Christ because he got all the attention. Remember, Pharisees did things to get attention. They did things to get attention. Now, when you pray, you don't pray to get attention. Usually when you pray, Jesus said, when you pray, go to your closet and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. So when you pray, you pray in secret. Spurgeon says, real praying is not praying in church. Real praying is when you pray in your closet. That's really true. But it's okay to pray in public. And if you call upon a prayer in public, don't say, no, no, don't call me because I don't want to get attention. Now, don't, don't go like that because that's, that's not good too, okay? Oh, brother, will you pray for the service? Oh, no, 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 I can't pray. Why not? Oh, no, I don't want any attention. Well, you just got attention there. <laughs> By saying no. And so there's a difference in your heart attitude. That's the important part. And so uh, when he scorned the Pharisees and chastised them and criticized them and really condemned them, they're going to be transferred to the disciples later on when he was ascended to heaven. The book of Acts is full of the, the apostles getting attacked and hated by the religious crowd because that's what they did to Jesus Christ. He's not here, but you're here. 
He's gone. Where is he? Oh, we can't pick on him, but you're here. Peter, didn't you? Silas and the rest of you, we're going to pick on you because, and we hate you because, really, he says, because they hated me first. It comes with it. Now, let's read on. Verse number 19. John 15, 19. If ye were of the world, the world would love his own. Now, think of that phrase. If ye were of the world, the world would love his own. Without this common sense, that makes sense. You don't hate your own. You love your own. But, but because ye are not of the world, uh-oh, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. He has given reasons why disciple, to the disciples why they will be hated. Because they're not of the world. Wait a minute, they're human. They're of the human race. But they're different because they're called to follow Christ. So now they're disciples of Christ, but they're human. But they have a different perspective, have a different motive, a different goal, a different purpose in life now than what they used to be. So the fish method they had friendships with and fellowship with, they talked fish things, fish stories, and how to do this, how to do that. And so they got along in that, in the professional trade sense. And uh, they may have talked about different things too. Uh, that are non-trade things. Maybe they talked about drinking, having drinking parties and uh, whatever they thought that was enjoyable to them. But when they were separated from the, the group of fishermen, for example, then they began to be different. They were different now. Their focus was different. And so they, they left this group of fishermen to be fishers of men. And so their focus was different. Their purpose was different. Their calling was different from theirs, just be fishermen. And so they don't hang out with them anymore after after they're done fishing. Well, they just go out over here to this tavern and drink and watch football games and watch, you know, whatever. And, uh, oh, let's go to this. No, no, it's different now because now they're following Christ. So now they are hated because of their, again, associates with Christ and because uh, they don't love the same things they used to love before. So there's a difference now. Now, common sense tells us that uh, I love them that love me. That's what Proverbs chapter 8 says. I love them that love me. Human nature says, I love those who love me. We love the same things, then we're friends. We get along because we have the same interest. So as an example, if you do not like tennis, you don't like people talking about tennis because there's no interest in for that with you. Hey, there's a tennis tournament. You want to come? Nah. There's no interest. So you don't go, you don't have fellowship. Uh, if you don't do certain things, if you do certain things together, if you like to go bicycling, you know, for 100 miles at a time, then you have fellowship with one another because you have something in common. I love them that love me. If uh, if you love certain things, it's natural for you to have affection and friendship with certain people who have certain interests as you do. That makes sense, doesn't it? Uh, Uber is real funny because there's all kind of conversations I hear in the back seat. I'm in the front seat driving, and I hear people in the back seat talking. It's so funny what they talk about. The things that they talk about, uh, it's about things that they like. So you got two or three people in the backseat to talk about things that they like to do. Some of them are snorkeling. Oh, it's so much fun. Da, da. But if one didn't like snorkeling, he'd be sitting like this. Snorkeling. Oh, man, it was so much fun. If they didn't like parasailing, one of them didn't. Just like, man, I was so bored. I was there for three hours. I was just waiting for them. I was so bored. There's no fellowship. There's nothing in common. And so human nature says, I love them that love me. And really that verse in Proverbs talk about Jesus saying, I love them that love me. Those that seek me early, they shall find me. And so if you think about this, the Lord does love everyone, but he loves those who love him even more. Well, that's just, that's good sense. It's, 
It's, you can understand it in regular human life. And so fellowship is based on common interest. Uh, two doctors in the backseat because of the conference at the Hilton, uh, they're talking about things that I never thought I heard doctors talk about. Talk about grilling and cooking, hot dog and hamburger. One guy said, yeah, when I was going to school and I was living by myself, I bought me a George Foreman. George Foreman, you know, that little, you can grill things, George Foreman. And he was so happy. I bought a George, oh yeah, how'd your wife? And she said, no, it's great, I know, yeah, man. And all we eat for dinner sometimes is um, uh, some, some kind of dish that was so easy to make. And he says, Who's happy? they were talking about that kind of stuff. They were having a good time talking to these two guys before they knew it, they were at the destination. I was laughing to myself, thinking about these, these doctors who do it the heart, pulmonary, and all these things. They're talking about food. These two guys talking about food. Imagine that, men talking about food. Can you believe this? Men talking about food. Well, doctors talk about food because they got to eat too. And so fellowship is based on common interest and uh, differences of opinion don't break their fellowship. One guy says, ah, I don't want to use that because, oh yeah, well, you try this. Oh yeah, they, they had a difference of opinion. They didn't argue about it because they're fellowship. But when it comes to liking and hating someone, uh, it's different when it comes to Christ, following Christ and not following Christ. Being in the Word, not of what is a different thing now. It's a little bit more severe, more serious. It's a spiritual thing. It's not just a thing about common interest. Uh, well, there's a Halloween party coming up. You gonna come? Well, who's gonna be there? Everyone's gonna be there. Really? How big is that person's house? Everyone's gonna be there. What a big house. Is, does he have a monster house? Everyone's gonna be there. Well, what's gonna be there? Who's gonna be there? What are they gonna do there? Oh, they're gonna have uh, cocktails, they're gonna have some this, they're gonna have that, and da da da. Well, now look, if, if you don't wanna go there because you don't believe that's your place as a Christian to go, which it probably is not in that kind of setting, those who have no conviction like that, you think they're gonna like you? Oh, is, is, is John coming? Is Joe coming? Is Harry coming? Is Susie coming? Is Sally coming? Is uh, whatever, whoever's coming? No, they're not gonna come. Why not? Oh, uh, they think that's wrong. What? Are they better than us? They think they're better than us. You know, all these kind of things come out of their mouth because they think you're so, what's wrong with you? What's wrong? You can't call an Uber and get a ride home if you get drunk. What's, what's wrong with that? Oh, they don't want to drink. Boy, something's wrong with them. They need to see a psychiatrist or a psychologist. Something's wrong with them. Everybody should have fun. And so uh, there's not going to be any kind of liking that kind of a person. And Jesus is explaining that uh, to his disciples, they will hate you because you're not of the world. You're of the world, you do worldly things. Which is to say, too, that in churches, churches can become very popular, very liked, because they do worldly things. Got to watch out about that because sometimes popularity becomes, oh, God is with us because everybody loves this place. It's so popular. Well, what are they teaching? What is their music like? Is the music kind of like, uh, you know, kind of, kind of like, is it like watching a video on the internet where they do all these kind of things? Is it these guys doing rap music, singing like rappers? Is that what is going on over here? Oh, they really like the music so good because they're rapping out, they're rapping out. Yeah, it's dark over here and there's smoke over here. Maybe something's burning. <laughs> oh, this is, it's so cool over here. Now, I know what cool means. You know what cool means, but sometimes maybe it's not appropriate to say church is cool. That's right. Because cool means it is, everybody likes it. 
Well, not everybody likes church because it's not cool. Because when the Bible is taught and preached, sometimes the Bible is offending people because it's telling them, hey, stop that. Hey, no. Eh, eh. You ever tell a child no? How do they think about that? And child, you tell a child no. Now, little, I won't mention his name, but I can because he's not here. He's over there. Little Dave, when you tell him no, he sits down, boom. Well, that's his old nature, his human nature. He's not a bad kid. He's just a, he's just a sinner kid. <laughs> like everybody else. And so people react in different ways and they express their disgust for people who are trying to do the right thing. So don't be intimidated. Don't be afraid. Just do the right thing. And so in verse number 20, remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. All right, we'll stop there in verse 20. The association with Christ, identification with him, there is a natural consequence. So John 14, 6 is a very narrow way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so very dogmatic, very for sure. And then when you say that Jesus Christ is the only way for salvation, those who believe in many ways will be offended by that. If you say, no, Buddha cannot save, Muhammad cannot save, Islam cannot save, uh, Rome cannot save, Seventh-day Adventists cannot save, and so on. Mormons cannot save, Jehovah's cannot save. You, the people say, well, just who do you think you are? All we do is repeat what the Bible says, what Jesus said. He says, I am the way. So when you're dogmatic like that, uh, like Jesus was dogmatic, then of course they resented him, and uh, they persecuted him, and they hated him. And so in verse number 20, he's saying, you're not greater than me. If you're following me, they persecute me, guess what will happen to you if you follow me? Now, as you follow Christ, you don't want to be obnoxious, you don't want to be hateful, you don't want to be cruel, you don't want to be dishonest, you don't want to be uh, a lousy testimony because you're inviting trouble to yourself because it's you being bad. That's what Peter talks about. If you suffer as a Christian, then God gets the glory. But if you suffer as a murderer and as a thief, he says, that's on you. That's my paraphrase. So if you do wrong and you get busted for it, you cannot say, Pastor, please help me. I'm in jail. Why are you in jail? Because I'm being persecuted. What, what happened? Well, uh, I was speeding. The cop pulled me over. And he said, let me see your license. And you said, you said to him, I'm not showing you my license. Registration. I'm not sure. I'm not showing you anything. Why would you pull me over? Because it's a 50, 45 mile zone. You were going 85. A little bit too fast. A little bit too fast. Just a little bit. And you were so belligerent and he threw you in jail. I mean, no, you weren't being persecuted for being a Christian. You've been persecuted because you disobeyed the law. You went too fast and disobeyed, disobeyed the badge. Just comply. Much better. Well, he says here, they will persecute you like they persecute me. Now, did he ever do anything... I'm getting ahead of myself, but did he ever do anything to cause people to hate him? No. Now, the verse 20 continues by saying, in verse 20, if they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. He's also saying, if they obey the Lord, the Bible, like you obey the Bible, you have fellowship, you won't have any persecution, you won't have any hatred coming your way. And so, uh, a major reason why people get hated on is because they are not Christian in their living. Or they're not, they're saved people, but they're not Christian in their living. So being saved is, you, you're going to go to heaven. You, you belong to Christ. But living as a Christian is, a, is your walk, how you live. A Christian means you're Christ-like. Saved means you're saved. Doesn't mean you're Christ-like. You're saved. 
That's the most important and the best thing. But living as a Christian, that is Christian. Little Christ walking as a Christian. When you do that, they will not like it because you are offensive to them. But you're not trying to be. You're just trying to be honest. But if you're not honest, they can hate you for not being honest. Can they hate you for being a hypocrite? Oh, one of the most, one of the most, one of the hardest thing in the Christian life is to be called a hypocrite because it's sometimes true. Well, uh, don't add to the nature, the natural spiritual resentment by being a hypocrite. Uh, Paul tells Timothy, be blameless. Blameless. You know what blameless means? Blame. Less. Now, if you put this word like this, what does that mean? Brainless. That means you have no brain. He is brainless. Okay. Blameless means there's no blame to him. You accuse him of being a bad employee? No. I never seen anything. When in the back storage, he never stole anything. He never put anything in his pocket. He never put anything. No, nothing. In his locker? No, I saw him. Nothing. He's blameless. But when people have caused what people do wrong and there's cause to blame them, he says, no, don't be like that. Be blameless. That doesn't mean be perfect. That means don't do anything that will cause you to be accused of something and it sticks. That guy, uh, that guy I can't trust him. Why? He's not honest. Why is he not honest? Because he says this, there's something else. Oh, that guy, man, I can't trust him. See, those kind of things cause people to blame and they have reason to blame. But if you're blameless, they can say a lot of things about you, but it's not true. It's not going to stick. Someone's going to say, you know, stop talking like that about that guy. He, I know him. He's not like that. I, I work with this guy. He's not like that. She's not like that. Why are you talking like this about this guy? Well, see, if you're blameless, there's no real worry about anything sticking because it's not true. The best thing is to have a good testimony as a Christian and be blameless. And so in John 15, verse 20, again, if they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. And so the world does not obey the word of God. Therefore, when you obey the word of God, there'll be some, some friction there. And uh, neighbors may not like you, but they will respect you for being a good testimony. They, they may not be being Christian, but they can respect you being honest. And you keep your word. And you are dependable. And they can respect that. Unsaved people respect people who are honest. They're on time. And they keep their word, things like that. They respect that. They may not like you for your religion, for your faith in Christ, but they separate that and say, well, you know, that guy, he goes to church all the time, but you know what? That guy, is really, really, he's a good guy. He really works hard. He does his job. I've never seen him goof off, and he could have, but I've seen this guy. Man, he is steady, and I, I got to respect that. I don't, I don't like him going to church sometimes. Well, why not? Well, I just don't. But the guy, I respect him for his, for his work ethic. That's a good thing. And so... Um, in John 15, 21, 21 through 23. But all these things will they do unto you for my name's sake, because they know not him that sent me. So again, the reinforcement of why people hate disciples, Jesus is saying, because they don't know me and they don't know my father. And they will do it for um, because you're following me. They don't know him who sent me. Well, this man who wrote, he was, I think, 12 years in a Soviet uh, camp. Not a camp, as in 
fun camp, youth camp, but he was a, a victim of being in a concentration camp at the hands of the Soviets. And later on, uh, he wrote and became a spokesman for uh, for Jewish people and also for the persecution of anyone who uh, dares say anything against the Soviet way of uh, their dictatorship. Uh, Solzhenitsyn, something like that. Mm -hmm. he, yes, Alexander, Alexander. Yeah, he was in prison, and he was co-ed, but he he heard a girl moaning. She was a teenager. She was moaning. He said the wind blew her moans into my into my quarters as if she's right next to the the wall. She was punished because she dared say one word about freedom, and someone overheard. Someone reported her. Police state. And they took her outside to punish her, making an example. She had to stand like this in the late fall, freezing cold, and she just had to, and she was shivering, and she had to stand there for hours and hours and hours until it got dark. And she was moaning and shivering. She could not, she could not, her hands had to be like that to her side. And she was moaning, and he said, the winds brought her moans into my uh, space as if she was right next to me. And then he said, he said to himself, he said out loud, and somehow it was recorded. Someone, he wrote it, he says, young lady, I will tell the world about you. And then he saw, he, he, he backed up, and then he wrote something. He says, to summarize why they did that to this girl, he said, because they have completely forgotten God. And the world who has forgotten God will not like those who remember God. So don't go out of way to make trouble because inevitably it will get to you. Well, I'm not saying be pessimistic. I'm just saying this is what the Lord said. And so uh, it comes to, where am I? Chapter 15 and verse number 20, uh, 22. If I had not come and spoken unto them, they had not had sin. But now they are, have no cloak for their sin. 23. He that hated me hated my father also. So there's a hate. It's a spiritual thing. When people are atheistic and they deny God even though there's tons of evidence there seems to be a real spiritual problem there a morality problem they hate God they may not admit that they hate God but something about rejecting God appeals to them there's something about them not wanting to to accept the premise or the possibility that God made everything they must reject him there seems to be a hatred for God but they may not verbalize it but by their writings and their thinking and their speeches and their debating, they're so confident that there is no God. And they seem to say, I, you know, I hate God. Again, they may not verbalize that, but that's what it really seems to be like. He that hated me hated my father also. Verse 24, if I had not done among them the works which none other men did, they had not had sin. But now have they both seen and hated me both, uh, both me and my father. Verse 25, but this cometh to pass that the word might be fulfilled that is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. Now, let's stop there for just a second. They hated me without a cause. Without a cause. Jesus has blamed this. There was no cause, without a cause, to hate him. But they hated him. No cause. Why'd you do that? Because I hate him. Why'd you do that? Because I hate her. Why'd you scratch his car? Because I hate him. Why? Because he honked at me. So I got mad at him, so I scratched his car. Isn't that crazy? Well, this is the world in which we live. But in the world that Jesus lived and his disciples, he's prepared them by saying, look, they're going to hate me without a cause. They're going to hate you without a cause, just because you followed me. 
No cause. There was no blame in Christ. He was blameless. Why would you want to persecute him just because he's the son of God? He said he's the son of God. Why are you going to persecute the disciples because they followed him the son of God? Because of hate. But there's no cause to hate them. Now, there are causes to, quote, hate something because it's evil. Now, do you know that it's okay to hate evil? You know it's okay to hate unholiness and ungodliness. It's okay to hate that. All right? You're not, you're not to condone or uh, uh, accommodate evil. It's okay to hate evil. Uh, it's like a farmer who hates weeds. Why does he hate weeds? Oh, because he likes flowers or he likes his crops to come up. Why does he hate bugs, white flies? You ever try to plant corn or anything like that, bell peppers, white flies come around? Don't you hate them when you eat your fruit and all your work? Well, the same thing is true. So do not do not um, become so passive and say, oh, I cannot hate evil. You can't hate evil. It's okay. But they hated him without a cause. And it quotes from the Psalms. Let me read some Psalms to you. Listen to this, please. I have about four Psalms to give you. Psalm 35, 7. For without a cause, or for without cause, have they hid from me their net, hid for me their net in a pit. Set a trap for him, which without cause they have digged for my soul. That's a lot of hatred. Psalm 35, 7. Psalm 35, 19. Let not them that are mine enemies wrongfully rejoice over, wrongfully rejoice over me. There's no cause to rejoice over my, my trouble. Neither let them wink with the eye that hate me without a cause. This is prophetic about Jesus Christ. They hate him without a cause. Another verse, Psalm 69, verse number 4. They that hate me without cause are more than the hairs of my head. A lot of folk hated Jesus Christ. They that would destroy me. And by the way, just because everybody hates one person doesn't mean you should hate that person because everybody else does. And just because a lot of people hate this person doesn't mean that they're right. Doesn't mean that they're right. Now, I'm not getting political over here, but sometimes people hate a man or a woman because they're very conservative in their policies and thinking. And they're hated because it goes against what they want, which is very liberal. Now, don't ever vote for someone who's a liberal or someone who is woke. Don't ever vote for someone like that. Vote for someone who is more on the conservative side of things, more on the, the decency, the morality side of things, anti-abortion kind of thing. There, I've said it. Amen. They that hate me without a cause are more than the hairs of my head. They that would destroy me, being mine enemies wrongfully, are mighty. Psalm 109, verse 3. They compassed me about also with words of hatred and fought against me without a cause. Can you imagine someone saying bad things about you and there's no reason for it? Just because? They want to hurt you? Destroy your reputation and character? Say rumors about you? You call people to look at you? You walk in the office and people look at you like this. You know, you know how you walk into a room, people are talking, and then they see you come and they stop talking. You ever had that experience? It's an awful experience. For people to talk about you and then they hush when you show up. Next time they happen, say, Oh, what? What did you say about me? <laughs> Psalm 119, verse 161. Princes have persecuted me without a cause, but my heart standeth in all of thy word. Princes, you talk about officials in the government. What would cause people to hate Jesus Christ? Let's stop and think. What would cause people to hate Jesus Christ? What do you think about? What did he do that was wrong? Okay. Name me one thing 
Jesus Christ did wrong that caused people to hate him? Did he cheat anybody? Did he rob anybody? Did he knock over a grandma at the marketplace? Did he speed on his skateboard as a boy? Did he run over a grandma and hurt her ankle? No. Did he do anything wrong? No. Without a cause, they hated him. Um, what harm did Christ do to this world after he left this world? What did he do wrong? Can you name one thing he did wrong? Can you name one thing his disciples did that was wrong? Probably because they're human. <laughs> what did the Son of God do that was wrong? Huh? Anything? <laughs> so why do they hate him? I can see them hating you and me because we maybe are not so perfect, right? If you're not perfect tonight, raise your hand if you're not perfect. Oh, okay. Only one person could not raise his hand tonight because his head is in his, his thumb is in his mouth. <laughs> that is an exception. But realistically, nobody could not raise their hand. Everyone can say, I've got my flaws. And people could pick on that and say, yeah, oh, he prays so nice in church, but you should hear him talk when he's mad. Oh, when he loses his temper, oh, he gets really angry. He, oh, he lets it out. Well, that does happen once in a while. We tell, we tell people to control your time. We should also, but sometimes you get so upset because, you know, and, and don't you get mad sometimes? No, you don't. You're always under control. Look at you, so cool, so chill, so, so under control, so refrigerated. You never get hot. You never get mad. Always keep it to yourself. Well, we don't always do that. And sometimes people do have a cause to blame us for things. But what harm has Christ done to this world? Nothing. What harm has the church done, the Christian church done to this world? Well, sometimes in the name of Christ, they've done something wrong because they weren't Christian church in the first place. That has happened in history. Well, what has Christians done to help people in this world? Oh, a few things. Build hospitals. Medical aid, relief. Every time there's a problem, uh, Christian organizations respond quickly before the government can respond. People are benevolent. People donate. People uh, contribute to humanitarian efforts. They're benevolent. They give to charity. They start charities. They start these. They help people. That's what Christians do. What does? Uh, what have they done to do some to 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 receive scorn? Can you think of other people have done some things to receive hatred and deserve, but they don't get it? Oh, I can think of some people, some organizations. But it's just the world. They hate Christ because of who he was and is. They hate Christians because of who they associate and attach themselves to and who they follow. They hate Christians and Christ, uh, Christians now. They hate Christians and the Christian church uh, because they don't do as the world does. They just don't get along. It's not that they're hard-headed or belligerent. It's just that they don't want to drink. They don't want to smoke. They don't want to do the dope. They don't want to do this. They don't want to do that. It sounds like the middle name is no. You want to go here? No. You want to go dancing with us? No. You want to go? No. Don't you want to do anything? Yeah, I want to do the right thing. <laughs> no, 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 no. Well... That's, those are reasons why. But now, something else that has not changed and would never change. 
I read them work for you. Something that will not change, that will never change, is that will never change. This will never change. Okay, give me a letter, someone. I know it's up here. I'm not giving real good clues here, but e. what? E. E. Uh, good guess. No. Okay. Wait. It will never change. Okay. What? Somebody say A. S. S. No. A. R. R. A. Uh, no. Okay. Give up. E. Did somebody say E? Mm -hmm. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. <it> was <laughs> okay. I gave to you. Okay. The devil will never change. The devil will never change. The devil will never, Satan will never change. He will always be hateful, hateful, hateful. And he's always going to be a liar. He's always going to be a destroyer and a killer and a murderer. He's always going to be that. He will never change. He wasn't always that way, but he became that. And because, because he became that, he would never change. In fact, when the Lord comes back and ties him up and chains him and puts him in the bottomless pit for a thousand years, after a thousand years of suffering, he would still come out and deceive the nations or try to. He is never going to change. And then he'd be thrown into the lake of fire for all eternity, and he would never change. The devil would never change. He would never change. And he would never change in his hatred toward God and Christ and Christians and the Christian church and also against the nation of Israel. So what happened two or three days ago with Israel by Hamas, that is just in, 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 it's indicative of the devil's hatred for Israel, the nation. Now if you look at the Bible sometimes, you'll find that the devil used people and kings to try to destroy and eradicate and eliminate Israel from the face of the earth. If you think of an Old Testament book, the book of Esther. Haman, who served in government. Haman, who demanded people to bow down to him. And a Jew named Mordecai said, I ain't going to bow down to you. I only bow down to one. That's God. And so Haman got so insulted. You know, people get so insulted, they do bad things. But that just reflects what's inside of them. He was so insulted, see, he's, he made a law. And all the Jews, you know, and, and, and so he, that, that was all about the devil using Haman like a puppet to destroy the people of God called Hebrews. And you know the great story in Esther, how the great chapter where it says, and Haman hanged on the gallows. The gallows he built to hang Mordecai, eventually he hung on that. And when the king said, oh, uh, Haman, uh, let me ask you this question, my man, my man, you're my, my advisor. Uh, what should I do to honor a man who I want to honor? I mean, what's party, luau, barbecue, what? Haman thought it was about him. Oh yeah, robe, chariots, you know, big fanfare, trumpets and everything, uh, big show, uh, call the TV networks, have them stop all and focus on this. Yes, good idea. Tell Mordecai to come so I can honor him. <gasps> Heart attack, city. But that's, an, that's just an indication about how the devil hates Israel. And throughout the Bible's history and throughout human history, you have the Jews always hated by their neighbors. The Egyptians, the Syrians, Lebanon, Jordan, Saudi Arabia, Iran, Hamas, Islamic Jihad, Hezbollah, and all of these neighbors hate Israel 
and want to eradicate them. The Persians, the Syrians, the Egyptians, the Hittites, the Nazis, and so on. You can go on. 80 countries have rejected and repelled Jews coming into the country throughout history. Why? Why them? Why focus on them? What's so bad about them? What's so bad about them for them to hate them? Oh, because they think they're chosen people of God. Well, are they not chosen people of God? They think they own this land. They took it from us. No, no, they were there first. God gave it to them. Many Old Testament passages says God's going to give them the land of Israel. We call it the Holy Land. You call it Palestine. No, call it the Holy Land. Call it Israel. And God gave it to them. But there's one word I want you to see before we finish up for tonight that might be another cause as to why people hate God's people, the Jews. Come to Genesis chapter 37. Current events are not just random. They reflect biblical truth and history. And it all leads to something in the Bible. The Bible didn't cause it. The Bible just says it's going to happen. And the Bible talks about why things happen. Genesis 37. Now, this account is not about the world hating the Christian or Christ, but it does give us a clue as to why or what is what's in man's heart. Genesis 37. And as you read this section, you'll see what it is that causes people to reject, resent, and hate and want to kill God's people, the Jews. Genesis 37, verse number 1. And Jacob dwelt in the land wherein his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. These are the generations of Jacob. Jo Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brethren. And the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and with the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought unto his father their evil report, whatever that was. Verse 30, number 3. Now Israel, Israel loved Joseph more. That word more makes a difference. Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age and he made him a coat of many colors. Watch carefully, verse four. And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they, they hated him and could not speak peacefully unto him. And Joseph dreamed a dream and he told it to his brethren and they hated him yet the more. And he said unto them, Here I pray thee this dream which I have dreamed. Verse 7, For behold, we are binding, we're binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheep rose and also stood upright. And behold, your sheep stood round about and made obeisance to my sheep. They knew what that meant. Verse nine, uh, 8, And his brethren said unto him, Shalt thou indeed reign over us? They knew what he meant. Or shalt thou indeed have dominion over us? They knew what he meant. And they hated him yet the more for his dreams. And for his words, verse 9, And he dreamed yet another dream, and behold, I told it to his brethren, and said, Behold, I have dreamed a dream more. And behold, the sun and the moon and the eleven stars made obeisance unto me. Oh, brother, is he really asking for it now? Verse 10, And he told it to his father and to his brethren, and his father rebuked him, and said unto him, What is this, this dream that thou hast dreamed? Shall I and my, thy mother and thy brethren indeed come to bow down ourselves to thee or to the earth? 11 and his brethren in oh his brethren ending him his brother that is the real part of why Israel is hated they envy Israel being the chosen people of God they envy Israel because why wouldn't God chose us instead 
Oh, because God chose Israel instead. Well, what makes you so special? I don't know, but God chose me. Oh, but, 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 but. That's not fair. And so out of envy, people hate the Jew. A lot of the murders and destruction and the killing and the, the really wicked things that do people do to Israel, it's because of envy. They're just jealous and it turns into hatred. It's pretty wicked. It's pretty wicked. And so God is not finished with Israel. He will still deal with them as a nation, Romans chapter 9, 10, and 11. And other Old Testament passages tells us that God will once again deal with Israel in tribulation and they will convert to Christ and they will be welcoming the Messiah one of these days and they will be saved. And so, but that won't happen until the second coming. So some things never will change. But now that you know that, don't ever tell yourself this. This is a lie. If you tell yourself this, I can never change. That is a lie. For you to say to yourself, I will never change. For you to say to yourself, but that's just the way I am. Well, that is true, but if you're a saved person, for you to say, that's just the way I am, I will never change, you're really saying, God can never change me. But can God really change you? Yes. The conditions for that is you have to go to the Lord of God and obey what it says. And fight your flesh and have some responsibility, have some self-control and do what you should do and not do what you feel like doing all the time. Do what you feel like doing will get you in trouble. You make bad decisions, but doing what is the right thing to do with a biblical principle or a direct statement, you can change. And if you change from now to Sunday, just one small part of your character, of your habits, it might make a huge difference as days go by. Just one small thing, one small thing. Now, as I do the Uber thing, which I enjoy doing, because it's, it's you know, for many reasons, but um, I, have done, I have done one thing I always keep my glasses in a position where I can see my, I have progressive, you know, distance, mid-range, and like that. So sometimes it slips down my nose because, I don't know, I guess I'm flawed. <laughs> but it all slips down. So I always do one thing. I always keep my glasses like that. And I do another small thing, which is a safety factor. When I'm driving, I do this. Watch now. Rear view mirror, side mirror, side mirror. I always do, I'm always doing this. I'm always doing that. It's like I'm paranoid. It's like I'm all doing that. I'm looking in the distance. I'm looking mid-range, close up. Looking who's behind me. Besides people, I'm looking at who's behind me car, vehicle-wise. And when I stop at an intersection, I always take time to let the light change 1,001, 1,002 before I take off. I don't trust people paying attention to lights and stop signs. I, I, I just pause. It's a small thing that keeps me safe common sense because not everybody's some people are in a rush when people are in a rush they make bad mistakes of judgment and get into bad accidents people who ride bikes people who do the uber eats thing with the you know the whatever they don't pay attention people who talk on phones they don't pay attention people who go on the crosswalks they got the, the, those big headphones like that they walk like this you know the light turns green they walk like this I don't know how many times I've had to stop and watch somebody cross the street. They didn't even look. And then as 
uh, I said, when that look, I mean, if I was not looking, I'd probably hit that guy. But I'm just saying, small things make a big deal, make a big difference. So whatever it is that small thing you got to do tonight or tomorrow that'll make a difference, do it. Okay? It'll help you. All right, so some things won't change, but don't ever say to yourself, I can never change because you can't. You can't change. You should change. You should change. Okay? If you agree, raise your right hand. If you agree, raise your right hand that you can change. Okay? If you really agree, raise your left hand too. Okay? Now do this to me. All right. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for the Bible. Help us, Lord, to remember some of these things from the scriptures. It is all true. And uh, we pray for the peace of Israel, peace of Jerusalem. We pray to protect your people. We don't agree with everything politically that they do. There's a lot of things in every nation that's not right. America is a great nation, but it's not right. But we still pray for America. They could pray for Israel, that you protect them. And uh, bless Mr. Netanyahu. He's got big decisions to make. And we pray, we pray that they would defend themselves as they should. We don't criticize them for defending themselves. And uh, any more that we defend ourselves against the Germans and the Japanese in the wars, World Wars, World War II. But uh, we pray to protect him uh, and also help Americans to be supportive of Israel. And not just say things that they support Israel, but actually support Israel. We do pray, Lord, that you would help us to see the things that we can change in our own lives and then take action. And the things that we cannot change, well, I guess we'll have to live with some things. But we don't want to be... We don't want to be people that are content with being bad character. We don't want to be bad character people. We want to be Christians that are consistent and honoring to you. So help us with these things. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.